the feeling of falling in love with yourself after not loving yourself or even hating yourself is just like a crazy euphoric experience. And it really teaches you to fight for that always. Hello, and welcome to Reclaim Your Radiance, a podcast where we discuss the most intimate parts of the human experience. Let's take a deep dive into self-love, sexual pleasure, and absolutely everything in between. I'm your host, Chris Hall, and each week we will be joined by one fabulous friend, and sometimes that friend will just be me, to talk about how we can all become our most radiant selves. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Reclaim Your Radiance. Joining us today is my good friend, the wonderful, the fiery, Charlotte. She is 31 years old. She is a Canadian woman who is cisgendered, straight, raised in Kelowna, BC. Her sun sign is Leo, moon is in Virgo, and her ascending sign is Pisces. I said that right, right? She is a kick-ass personal trainer, and yes, you can go sign up to work with her both virtually and in person. She also gives tarot readings as well as hosts women's moon circles. If all that sounds unfamiliar to you, don't worry, it will all be explained. Today, we dive into the importance of sisterhood, discuss some red flags to keep an eye out for in relationships, how to recognize when it's time to break up, and some of the most useful tools for rediscovering yourself and falling back in love with yourself after a hard breakup. This badass woman broke up with a long-term partner just weeks before COVID hit, and damn, did she make her way through all of it and to the other side to thrive. So impressive. I won't keep you from this amazing episode any longer. Enjoy. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Chris. I'm good. How are you doing? So good. It's so good to have you on. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Me too. Well, I'm excited to have you. And in person, always amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would love to start nice and raw Mm -hmm. with kind of, we're going to start with like where you are right now Mm. and then we'll like back up and like look at your journey. But I'd love to know, like, how do you feel being you right now today in this moment? Oh, that's a great question. Honestly, like being me, I actually, I really love being myself in this moment. Yeah, I feel like more and more I become a more fully expressed version of myself. And I keep running into love and support whenever I do that. That just like kind of affirms that like, yes, like, you know, be who you are because it's going to attract the people that appreciate that the most. Um, and yeah, I like, I, I, notice all, I, I notice a lot more about myself than I used to, like all these little different traits and interesting things about myself because I really take the time to explore myself. So oh, I love that. Yeah. So let's rewind then and go back to like a time where that wasn't true. Where, where would you say, like, where would you pinpoint if I was like, start at the beginning? Where would you start? Mm, the beginning where that wasn't true. Honestly, like it didn't really come, didn't really become really, really true until maybe a year and a half ago. I would say throughout my life, there are different phases where I loved myself less. And then some phases where I was like, okay with who I was. 
but I didn't really love, love myself till about a year and a half ago, I'd say. So I like, you know, even starting like our teenagers, right. I'd say that's like the hardest time. Mm-hmm. And then growing up into my twenties, I didn't realize it at the time, but now when I look back at it, I'm like, oh, I really didn't love myself the way I should have, or I deserve to, because I didn't know myself enough. And I had a lot of doubts about myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were those doubts rooted in, do you think? Ooh, good question again. Um, yeah, like, I think I just, I think I'm, I was a lot different than my family, like my upbringing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, coming into my twenties when you're sort of like trying to become this person, but you have all these like values that were placed on you versus who you actually are, it can become very confusing. And there's kind of like, there was like a clash inside me. And I know in my twenties, I was kind of doing like what I thought I was supposed to be doing, but I didn't know myself enough to be making like the bigger choices that I was making, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I do think too, like I just didn't really come from a super, super affectionate family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the more I learn about myself, that's actually really who I am. I'm a very heart centered, like very loving person. And I really need somewhere to put that and, and I need to receive that. Um, so I think I just didn't, I hadn't really experienced that yet. So I just, I didn't know how to do it for myself. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what, if there wasn't kind of enough affection in your household, what would you say you were taught from your parents? You know, growing up, there was a lot of um, sweeping things under the rug. Mm. There was, you know, there's like kind of like rigid rules and the way things are. And if we stepped out of those bounds, there was punishment, not necessarily understanding or lessons and and explanations. And I also just didn't see like my just my family wasn't super intimate or touchy. Like, don't get me wrong, like my parents loved me and they hugged me but just not at a level that is who I am. Right. Like there's everyone's a little bit different in that sense. And um, yeah, even it's actually even something I might struggle with a little bit still now is really diving into that type of affection. Like I work on it more and more because I know it's who I am and I do love it, but there's still a little bit of a a barrier almost because of that. Yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. Like, like, I guess what you're saying is that one of your love languages is touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like same. And I definitely, I don't know what it was, but somehow I always hesitate and I see somebody else who like does it instinctually. And I'm always so jealous. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want that. I want to be able to, to just casually touch a friend and like not worry about it. And I'm just like, can I touch them? Is that okay? I'm going to hit Right. Like it's, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. So your teenage years, had an example of love and of self-love maybe that didn't really compute and wasn't really teaching you what you needed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then also I didn't have a lot of lessons in relationships and love, like what that was supposed to look like. Um, I grew up in quite a Christian household. So it was very like, you know, no sex before marriage. And we just didn't really talk about it. That was kind of like the end of the discussion. Right. So I didn't really understand like dating when I went into it. Like I just went into it. And, Abstinence. Yeah. Right. I'm like, <laughs> I kind of knew that didn't resonate with me, but uh, 
Um, and then, yeah, because I think there is a barrier when it's like, when it's like no sex, it's like, it's hard to talk about it. It's hard to have open communication, whether there's sex involved or not. Like, I just felt like I didn't really get taught like, Hey, when you're in a relationship, this is how someone should treat you. Because I think like, you know, there was such resistance for me even to be in a relationship because there was worry about sex or what that would turn into. Gotcha. So yeah. did you get into your first relationship really late then? Or what, I guess there's no late, there's no early. It's just yeah. what time, what time in your development? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I wouldn't say late. Like I'd say my very first relationship that I would acknowledge probably has happened in high school. That I would acknowledge. <laughs> that I would, well, no. <laughs> I love that. Well, just like, okay, if we back it up, yeah. there's the middle school relationships, there's the primary school, like, I don't know, I think I got married in a field at one point. <laughs> oh, I love that. A real, like, what I considered sort of like, yes, this is my first relationship. It happened when I was about 15. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. 15, 16. Yeah. And uh, it, it wasn't very, it wasn't with a good person. And it was not, it did not end well. And I was treated quite horribly after that. And it was actually, it really affected my high school experience. It was one of those things that was like, you know, a really big deal. Like I got cheated on and like the whole school knew about it. And uh, he started dating my, my best friend at the time, like days after. And it was just one of those things that like, it was like a gossip thing. Right. And I actually ended up going into a trades program just to get out of my high school for a little bit. Like, cause we leave the campus and we were like kind of separate from all the other students because it was so hard on me and so much to take. Teenagers are the worst. Oh yeah. hundred percent. If you're a teenager listening, you're one of the good ones. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So how did you, I don't know, how did you get out of that? Or did you ever kind of get out of that? Do you think that that's followed you or did that follow you into your next relationship? Mm, mm-hmm. Yep. I would say my, all my relationships thus far have been learning experiences, which most people's are right. Yes. But, but a lot about like, yeah, learning experiences of, you know, what's, what's should be okay and what shouldn't. And, you know, the relationships kind of highlighted the parts of myself I didn't love, I would say, but they are learning experiences. And I would say like, now coming out of them I'm more in love with myself than I've ever been and I don't think I would get to this place where I am now had those relationships not happened interesting Mm -hmm. so you were taught things you didn't love about yourself is that maybe because you know as a relationship it's kind of a mirror for you and you're like seeing these traits in your partner that you didn't like or like how do you think that surfaced Mm, yeah, that could, that's definitely part of it. I would say I saw the thing, the unhealed parts of myself in my, in my partners. Mm-hmm. And I'm also just, I'm a very empathic person. So I re- really picked up their energy. I would kind of become very similar to them, but I didn't want to be that person, right? Like they weren't, they weren't positive people. They weren't, I, I actually haven't really been with someone that I really admired, and in the, in the moments, I didn't know that. Um, so I'd say, yes, that's part of it. And then it also just made me realize the things that I was allowing, the, 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 like the, the ways that I was feeling, I was abandoning myself. So it was showing me parts of myself that I needed to grow in to, in order to 
you know, fight for myself and, and, and learn the experience and, de- and demand like what I actually deserve as a, as a person, because yeah. in the, in those moments, I didn't realize what I deserved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you have any like examples of stories when this happened that you really share? Yeah. Like examples of, yeah. Just like moments where like exactly how you described that you realized you, you know, accepted behavior that wasn't accept that nobody should accept that you deserved better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if I go to my more, my most relationship, my most recent relationship, which was about like two years ago, to mm-hmm. be fair, I've been single for about two years. So my last relationship, there was just a constant dialogue of me being less than, or just um, almost like dumb, to be honest. And like, I would, there'd be like an example of that would be like, okay, I remember one time, I, I remember this one well, because I actually read it in a journal, like somewhat recently, and I just read it and I was like, oh my God, like that's, that's how I was treated. It was one of those moments. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it would just be little things like, you know, I would borrow his keys and I put them on the counter instead of the drawer. And then in the morning, he'd always be really late for work and he'd look in the drawer, it wasn't there. And he'd start spazzing out at me and just like, you know, saying like, I do this all the time. I can't like, I can't even keep track of keys. And then I remember, I mean, I wrote it down. He finally found them like basically right in front of him on top of the counter. And like, just screamed at me like, um, uh, don't ever touch my keys ever again. And like, would just leave. And then the difference is that they were in the drawer or on the counter on top of that drawer. Exactly. And, and like, you know, the learning experience, like another level, it's like, whether I misplaced your keys or not, like, that's still not okay to speak to me like that. Right. Like, yeah. So like, that's just an example. There was tons of, it was just little things, little jabs every day that, that really like built up to making me feel that I was somehow inferior to this person. Jeez. Mm-hmm. And I guess, I guess we haven't really explored the other side of the coin of you said that you were kind of shamed with sex early on mm, and that yes. you came from like such a religious upbringing and it was like, okay, abstinence. So like, how did that go for you? Like, how did you get from like, like shame and like, no, 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 don't do it. Like what happened to make you break that, for example? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, in my younger years, when I was start, first starting having sex, I think it was just a, like a rebellion thing. I just did it. I didn't even really think about it that much, <laughs> which is often happens, parents, if you're listening, um, if you put too much shame around it, they're going to do it anyway. But then, so there was that aspect, but then, yeah, never actually talking about it, never talking about what's healthy. That definitely followed me into my relationships. And the first one I was in, in my early 20s, Um, he was very, he was actually very sexual, but almost to a point that it was uncomfortable for me because I was in my early twenties and there was so much, he was like very demanding about exploring that I wasn't comfortable with at the time. Cause I was like, I don't know, 21, like 20, like, I don't, you know, I'm still like learning missionary. I don't know. (laughs) Um, still learning how to not wince when you put it inside me. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So yeah, that I was that relationship, I was pressured a lot into doing things that I actually wasn't comfortable with and had no desire to do myself. And it was very much like, you know, if you love me, do it kind of thing. Oh, yeah. The ultimatums. So exactly. wonderful. Yeah. Like, such, a, such a good sign, right? Yeah. No, there's no place for those in, in relationships or sex. No. no. 
Um, but then my, yeah, my latest, my most recent relationship, you know, some stuff happened. I had some problems with an IUD and my sex drive was just gone for about a year because I had to keep this IUD in for a year, which is a whole other story, but that was very hard. And then coming out of that, by the time that was out of me and I could have my sex drive back again, take this piece of plastic out. Yeah, please. We were in such a negative space in our relationship that I just wasn't turned on. Like I just was like, you know, sex is about empowerment and feeling excited and wanted and like celebrated. And I just didn't feel any of that in my relationship. So our sex life dwindled and dwindled and became like, like almost nothing probably for like the last couple of years of our relationship. And even when we did, it was quite awkward and uncomfortable. And, um, you know, the narrative was the narrative that he told me is that he's just more sexual than I am because I didn't want to have sex the way he does. So it was, it was me essentially. And I mean, looking on that, like that is, that's an awful thing to say to anyone and it, you know, any loving partner, like it's like, okay, when we started, I was quite a sexual person and here we are now. And I'm not like that probably doesn't mean that I'm just not a sexual person. Right. Mm -hmm. But I didn't feel that at the time. Cause I was like, I was like, Oh, there must be something wrong with me. Like maybe I just don't like sex that much. So is this the same partner that at first started out off, like trying to get you to do things that you were uncomfortable with? No, that was, a, that was, yeah, that was partner A in the early twenties. This is the second half of the twenties. <laughs> okay. But I mean, in some ways, like all relationships are kind of a continuation of one another, right? Yeah. Like I've heard this mm. recently that it was like somebody's theory that like, well, I mean, you can decide that there's certain things about a person that you don't like that don't mesh with you or whatever. And then you decide it isn't working for you and it's not going to work. And okay. So you, so you get rid of that. And then if you find, or if, when, if you decide to enter into another relationship, you're often going to find the same things unless you yourself have changed, mm -hmm. I think. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, if you find another person who's plenty great for you, right. Like this other person was plenty great, but there was a couple things wrong, like whatever. And then the next person, nobody's going to be perfect. So they're still going to have a couple of things wrong. You're still going to have those same issues because ultimately they're coming from you. Yes. And so like, I kind of love that you're kind of just talking about it in like my romantic relationships that all kind of like blend into one, right? Like that's kind of what, like kind of how it sounds almost. Yeah, absolutely. And I can, st I'll still see things come out. Like I haven't had a boyfriend, but I've had, you know, intimacy. I've had little flings and things and I can still see like, my own red flags coming out, not my, my red, but just like symbols that I'm like, okay, yes, this part, part of myself, I still need to do a little bit of work because I'm still attracting that kind of person. And for some period of time, I allowed that behavior again. Mm -hmm. And that part's really hard. That part's really powerful. Like that's extremely owning up. That's how you'll really evolve. But then it's like, when you have to really look at yourself and you're like, oh shit, like I've done all this work and yet here I am and it's still happening. Yeah. That can be like painful, right? Yeah. That can be really rough, mm -hmm. but I mean, kudos to you for like recognizing it and then taking it as like, okay, I'll, I'll work on this. Like mm -hmm. that's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. It's really powerful too. Right. When you like, when you recognize it and then you pull back, it feels really good because you're like, okay, yes, it happened again, but I'm, I'm seeing it and I'm stopping it because I know that I'm worth more and I know that I deserve better. Absolutely. Yeah.
So what do you think then about, because some people have the opinion that you grow most when you're with somebody. Mm. I mean, there's obviously a certain extent where like, yeah, if you're repeating the same patterns, absolutely. It's amazing to step back and be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to work on these things myself. But then when do you think you get to a certain point where you ultimately maybe need to, or not need to. And then like, but if it comes along that somebody is a good match for you, that your best growth might happen with a partner mm. because you can then almost workshop how you relate to someone, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. And that like, I don't know, I, I do believe, I think that there's a, there's only so much you can do by yourself if mm. the eventual goal is to like be in a partnership with someone. Mm. So yeah. When do you think that point is? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I I definitely agree with that. But yeah, I think there's a certain amount of growth we have to do on our own first. Because if we don't do that growth and work and really know ourselves first, just kind of like you were talking about that continuous relationship, we fall back into the same patterns. And I think in our young adult to adult life, it's important that we have some time alone at some point. And honestly, almost all of my 20s, I was in a relationship. Two different ones. I think there was like maybe six months, eight months in between them. Um, But that was it. And I realized when I finally got out of the the last one that I was like, okay, like, I don't even like fully know myself or love myself. And I was 29. Right. It's like, okay. So for me, it's been really healthy to be single for a couple of years. And it's not that I've been like, no relationships. No, um, I've explored ones and I've been hopeful about some, um, but the timing just hasn't been right. And you know me, like I'm a very universal path kind of person. And so I don't think, I don't think I'm meant to be with someone if, until it happens essentially. So like, you know, when something fails, it's like, that's painful, but I just like look at the lessons and, and, you know, all the things, all the, the things that could have gone wrong if I continued it. But yes, I do agree. I do agree when you're, you know, you've done enough work. I think, you know what, the bottom line is you have to really love yourself and then get into that relationship. Maybe that's like one way to just sum it up. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I agree. Asking this question. um, Yeah. That's, that's the answer. Yes. (laughs) And what that looks like is, you know, all up to you, right. When, When you reach that line, you can feel it you go on a date with someone mm-hmm. and like you meet them for the first time and you can sense, mm-hmm. you can be like, Oh, they love themselves. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. They know their boundaries. Boundaries are sexy. Yeah. Oh, they know themselves enough to say, this is my line. Yeah. Like on my first date with Aaron, he was like, Oh yeah, I have to run every single morning. It's good for my mental health. And without it, I get too anxious and jittery. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. like yeah. not only does like, running not for vanity reasons and like working out not for vanity reasons, but for health reasons. Amazing. That means like fit for life, you know? Yeah. But then also the whole, like, Oh my God, you know yourself well enough. You've explored yourself enough to know this and like, Oh, nothing sexier. Oh, I completely agree. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. When people have, yeah. When people have done a little work on themselves and then they know themselves and they have, weird, even if it's weird, quirky stuff, like I love that even more. It's, it's super sexy. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's go back to your latest relationship for a second. Yeah. And you were slowly discovering things. You were slowly realizing, okay, that's not right. That's not right. So what, what happened that finally like got you out Mm. and yeah. What were the warning signs? Yeah. Okay. So the relationship itself is six and a half years long. It was a long one. 
Um, and yeah, we were a family. We moved around a lot together. We had a cat, a wonderful cat who I still miss dearly. And, um, it felt like in the beginning, like this was my person and I had this vision of my future and my life. If I really, if I'm really, really, truly honest, if it was like, you know, Charlotte now looking back on, on the timing, then I would say probably after the first year and a half, it was when I had some flags of like, okay, this is going to be very, very challenging and this isn't going to benefit you. Um, but in that moment, I didn't really think that yet. You know, I still like, I still had a lot of hope. I thought it was just a challenging phase. You know, um, he was very, very, like, very, very dark, has a ton of his own stuff to work through, um, which I didn't recognize because I hadn't done my own work yet. But I would say in the, in the relationship timeline, it was probably about about three, three and a half years in where I, I started the dialogue of being like, hey, like, things aren't really okay. And this isn't how I want to live my life. Because it was just a very, like a dark, depressing energy that we lived in. You know, mm-hmm. we just didn't do much. We just kind of smoked a lot of weed. And like, we just, uh, there was always bickering. There was no positivity. And I was just kind of like watching myself get sucked into this and become this. And I'm a very like, you know, person that like does a ton of activities and is creative and joyful and like happy and loving. And I was just watching that get like sucked out of me. And so it was about like three, three and a half year point that I kind of started expressing that, but was just often convinced that, you know, things will get better and, you know, it just takes time and, you know, we're just like, we're out of the honeymoon stage, just all, all those types of things. And then I also just thought too, it was our circumstance because it was, we were always moving around, trying to get settled. And, you know, we finally moved downtown Vancouver, both had great jobs and like we're living our best lives or should have been. And it still wasn't enough. And I just remember coming home often and just walking into this like negative dark wall of energy for no reason. Like there was no real reason for it. And it started actually really affecting my health. I came to a point where I had so much pressure in my job and and so much negativity in my relationship that I hit a wall and like almost had a full adrenal burnout, went to a naturopath and started healing. And once I did that, I was finally like, okay, like something's got to give. Like now, now it's literally affecting my well-being to a point where my body is shutting down. Like mm-hmm. change has to happen. So we started seeing a counselor. That was kind of like my last, like, okay, we'll go to counseling and we'll try and work on this. And we did that for about a month, maybe two. And then things started to feel like they were getting better for about a month. And then, and, I, and it was an amazing feeling. So I was like, okay, I don't have to make this difficult decision. I don't have to leave him. Like things are going to be okay. They're going to be exactly how I envisioned. And then about a month of the goodness or a month after the goodness, things just spiraled. And like every, all the, the dark negative behavior came back in. And the thing that really like, and this is, this is interesting. The thing that broke the straw on the camel's back. That's the same. Is that it? Close enough. Something like that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We went to an event with all of my really, really close friends. We rented an Airbnb, like had a pool party. It was amazing. And I was watching him treat some of my friends 
the way he treats me every day. And so it was like having this actual visual of what I've been accepting for years and, you know, seeing it projected on a friend, that's when immediately I'm like, oh, that's not okay. You can't talk to them like that. Mm-hmm. And it made me realize I hadn't connected. Like he can't talk to me like that either. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. But also like, it's incredible how much we take or like, and you see this again and again, but, like, it's incredible how much we take ourselves like, or like, we won't help ourselves. We won't, right. Yeah. Not for you. Like, but then the second it's like, oh, but support this friend. It's like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course I'll do this for them. Like you are your own best friend. Exactly. And that's the, that's what I've learned in the last couple of years. Like you're the, you know, you should treat yourself. And I often do, I think like that in my head, like, what would I, how would I handle this with my best friend or what advice would I give them? Or how would I nurture them through this? But yeah, it was just seeing that. And then finally, like, I think we got home from the trip. I like processed for like a week and I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified to do it because our lives were so entwined. I was going to lose my cat. I was going to lose my life. And like, I didn't really have anyone else in Vancouver, like a few friends, but not like not real major support. Well, my brother had just moved down at that time. But outside of that, like that was it. And I was terrified, but I just knew that like, I couldn't, it was, I couldn't keep going like that. So that was end of January, 2020. Yep. Uh, good time to make a major life change. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. The, the like seeing your friends and like that being what triggered you is wow. Yeah. How did your friends feel about it? Like our breakup itself or? I mean, I'm assuming they'd be happy about the breakup. Well, no, to be honest, like they were actually pretty good friends with him. And the the things that he did weren't like, they were just dark, negative things to say. Like they weren't friends off kind of thing, but it was just me witnessing the behavior that really like made me realize. And like, you know, my friends are quite forgiving and accepting. So there was actually like about a year after that, that he was still sort of in my friend group. And that was, that was another challenge, but that I, I kind of like, you know, the, the, the other challenging part is, um, and this happens often in relationships. So please, please, everyone talk about your relationships with your friends because I didn't, I didn't cause I was in denial because I knew if I said it out loud, someone would probably look at me and be like, Hey, like, that's not okay. Like you need to get that behavior changed or you need to leave now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really express it to them very often. I didn't really talk to any of them about it. And so by the time we broke up, it was just like, you know, I'd had enough. They didn't really know the full story yet. And I also was in this weird place of like, I don't want to throw him under the bus because, you know, I am who I am. And like, I know that he's friends with these people, but I knew, I knew in my heart that his behaviors, if he, if he didn't make a change, something was going to happen and he would probably be no longer welcome in the friend group. And something did happen. It took about a year, but something did happen. And uh, yeah, now I was not in that group of friends anymore. So you never had to like have a hard conversation with your friends then? Like you're still friends with those people now? Oh yeah. These are like my friends that I've been friends with for like 15 years kind of thing. No, like I just chose not to. Like I could have, like I know they have my back a hundred percent, but I just, I guess in my view, it was like, that was my experience with him. 
And I wasn't like, I didn't know that he would cause harm to anyone else. Like it was just, you know, me and him and that's, and, and, you know, it was a a romantic relationship. It was, it was different than a friendship. Mm -hmm. So I did, I chose not to really have that conversation. It was also keep in mind, we went right into COVID. (laughs) So I think I had a soft spot of like, okay, I don't want to like make all my friends abandon him now too, because. Yeah. I mean, that was two months later though. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't, but, but when the event happened where he kind of ended up leaving the friend group, I did put my foot down and I said, okay, I will not be at any event this person's at anymore. Okay. I think that was like the the foot down. Hmm, That's good. Yeah. Wow. I'm glad that they saw sense to choose you. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, editing Chris here, just popping in to say a quick hello and thank you so much for being here. If you are enjoying this episode, please share it on social media or word of mouth. Give it to someone you think would enjoy it. Share the love. Use those cool rating buttons and the follow buttons and the subscribe buttons and the comment buttons, depending on where you are, what your interface looks like. Just just click some stuff. Let me know what you think. Um, what was your greatest takeaway? What did you like? What didn't you like? I'd love to hear it all. My contact details are in the show description. Reach out and let's chat. That's all for today. Short and sweet. And now back to the podcast. All right. So you broke up with your boyfriend. It's two months till COVID. Mm-hmm. So like COVID, beginning of COVID. <laughs> yes. And having just majorly changed your life and being like ready to go out there and put yourself out there again. What was that like? Oh my goodness. An extremely unique experience, which I mean, all of us went through isolation, but I, I, and I'm sure other people went through breakups into COVID. Like I'm not, not unique that I'm the only one, but I just think in general, that was like such a unique opportunity to have to be so isolated when you're going through a major breakup. It was very lonely. Like, so I, I moved into my one bedroom apartment, my girl power, one bedroom apartment in Kitsilano, March 1st, with all my hopes and dreams and plans. And I actually, like all my girlfriends from Kelowna, we're going to come, like, come down and have a sleepover. We had this vision. And then, yeah, March 14th is when everything, like, completely shut down for, well, I don't know, what month and year is it? Almost exactly two years ago. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, like, that was when things were really, really locked down. And so it was, there was a mix of things. It was very painful and lonely because on top of not really having a friend group in Vancouver at this point, everyone was dealing with their own trauma of a pandemic happening and, you know, the world stopping, lots of people's jobs stopping, people being terrified um everyone needed more than anybody could give them exactly so it's like I just was like I can't ask for support really is what I felt like and and I just I didn't even want to because it was like no one really had any extra spoons to give like so that was really isolating and hard but it also forced me to really do the healing myself and to turn to things like spirituality and journaling and exploring myself to heal and to not have any distractions. There was no going out with girls and, and to the bar and wooing and, you know, meeting new people. There was no, even like at the beginning, right. There was not even really, there was no dating app stuff going on because everyone was so locked down. So yeah, very unique. I don't know if I'd want to do it again, but I do see a lot of like uh, amazing benefits in that experience. 
Yeah, that's that is very unique. Tons of people went through break breakups, but like, I feel like you went through three breakups all in one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there is a lot. So, how did you discovering yourself through all these, like discovering all these self love and self discovery tools? Yeah, and like for better emotional regulation tools is another way I'd call it probably. Yeah. How did you get from there to where you are now? Well, from starting from there. So that year, so there was about 10 months or so that I lived in that apartment alone. And that was just a journey of discovering myself again and all the things that I love just because I love them. I roller skated almost every day. I hula hooped almost every day. I really just had this routine where I would just go out and play with myself. Like, you know, (laughs) I mean, there was, that was inside the apartment, but I meant childlike playing with myself. (laughs) And then I also like, I really started to get heavy into tarot readings. And that was something I explored a little bit. Like that's actually part of what helped me kind of make the decision to leave my ex-partner Um, I really utilized them as a tool to like kind of have this conversation with myself and have these cards sort of like reflect what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. So I continued to do that. And I started, I took a tarot course and I just, yeah, I just did daily things of like card readings, hula hoop, roller skating, journaling, and just, yeah, it was just like that, like uh, a falling in love with myself again. And, and that's, and I really did. I started to feel a lot of moments of euphoria in the middle of a pandemic when everyone was like, and this is when we thought the world was ending, right? It was very strange. And this is how I knew I made the, the right decision, right? It's just like, I felt like, yeah, like just so happy in really weird moments. Like even the moments I'm crying on the floor by myself, I have this weird euphoria because that awful energy was just out of my life and it was just me. Mm-hmm. So that was the first part. And then after, after about a year, um, I knew I had done a lot of healing, but I knew there was like another level, another breakthrough that needed to happen. And I started working with a life coach and that, so she started to give me some real tools to work on things that are more like behavior patterns and, you know, different like ways to kind of fall in love with yourself. And she's the one that really got me journaling as much as I do now. And I just really like, I think in that experience, like I, I just committed to like falling completely in love with myself. Right. Like I'd gone so far that I just wanted to commit to that next level of like, okay, like I just want to be like the best I've ever been because I was like the worst version of myself for a bit there. And I, I just had this awakening of like, you know, like nothing is bigger than your internal world and how you love yourself. And I've kind of just kind of dedicated life to that ever since. Oh, so good. Mm. So you dated yourself Mm. and you rediscovered your pleasures Mm -hmm. and you journaled and reflected and meditated on that. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know what? It's wonderful. It's so wonderful seeing like the same pattern in so many people. Mm. Like it's, it's almost like, and not to say that you're not unique in so many ways, but like, it's so, I find it so cool to see like the same pattern emerging, seeing almost like people. Yeah. It's like the same steps almost. And it's like, if you follow these like eight step program, like Alcoholics Anonymous to falling in love with yourself. Yeah. (laughs) I I love that. Yeah. It means that. None of us are doomed. 
No, everyone can do it. And like, that's, oh, I think that's so valuable to even touch on just because like, I know there's lots of people out there stuck in relationships feeling just like how I felt. And, you know, it's like, you just have to like take that jump and then you'll really be able to experience what's on the other side. And you're going to go through a lot of hardship in between that. But the feeling of falling in love with yourself after not loving yourself or even hating yourself is just like a crazy euphoric experience. And it really teaches you to fight for that always. And I hope when I do get into another relationship that I'll be able to recognize when something feels wrong or something feels off. Because if I start to not love myself again, that's going to be a huge red flag that like that person is not making my life better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what, what flags can we kind of identify then? There's the, you stop doing things you love. Mm-hmm. That would, that'd be a big one. What else do you think? Um, isolating from people that care about you. Mm-hmm. And this is a very off like one that happens often, you know, stopping, stopping creation. Like all of us, like there's people with different degrees of creativeness in them, but everyone creates to some point. And mine, yeah, mine just went out the window too. I was creating your inner dialogue, the the inner dialogue you have going on in your head, right? If you're, and especially if that inner dialogue is being triggered by the things that, you know, your partner is saying to you, like that's a red flag. That's, that's something that you need to really think about. Absolutely. So when you say, I mean, we say the word self-love all the time. It's everywhere. It's self-care, self-love for almost used interchangeably. It's just thrown out like all the time. Buzzword. (laughs) Buzzword. (laughs) What does it mean to you when you like really try to embody the feeling? Like you mentioned euphoria, like that's strong. Mm -hmm. Can you try to describe that feeling? Yeah. I think like true self-love is acknowledging every part of you right? And, and loving every part of you because it's easy to love the shiny parts, right? You're like, oh, great. I'm a person that works out three times a week. I love that about myself, but there's other parts of us too, right? Like there's parts that are dark and there's parts that, you know, are, are poor habits that we display. And I think like true self-love is seeing yourself fully and understanding yourself and exploring like even like the dark parts of yourself that are unfavorable and loving those parts too. And, and really just like, like, like literally just seeing yourself as your own best friend. Like that's just, I just think that's such a good tool. And that was part of what I was taught in my life coaching is just treating yourself like you are your own best friend and, and having that empathy um, for yourself, just like you would for anyone else. And then the feeling is just like, it's pure acceptance and it's certainty. Like, I don't really question myself very often anymore. Like sometimes I'll look back and I'll be like, oh, <laughs> like in a hindsight way. But in the moment, I rarely question myself. And I don't mean it in a way where I think I know everything and I know the right decision. I just mean, I don't question how I feel about things because I'm, I understand myself so much that everything I know is valid right? Mm. Yeah. It's like celebrating yourself, like getting excited about yourself. And, you know, the more you express that, like when other, like there's nothing more joyous to me when someone recognizes a trait about me, that isn't something that's like obvious and comments on that or compliments on that. 
And so I think it's the, the feeling is like that same feeling that I get from that person doing it, but me doing it to myself. Yeah. Right. I th- you touched on something good there. Like, I mean, touched on a lot. That's amazing. But like that, you know, you hear a compliment from someone else and somehow that means more than when you give it to yourself. Yeah. Right. Which like is bonkers. Like oh, this person noticed this, like, thing about me like oh my god he he gets me yeah (laughs) but like when you see it in yourself and you can recognize in yourself it's seen as like vain or we're maybe taught yeah that it's seen as vain yeah right and like somebody recently said like yeah you should brag about yourself and like immediately the word brag did it trigger you because it triggered me yeah right (laughs) right yeah like immediately it's like oh no, no 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 I can't I can't brag can't say good things about yourself but like you brag about your friends yeah, and that feels great it yeah. to be like, this person's awesome. Like, why does it feel weird to say I'm awesome? Well, it doesn't, but like, you know, like, no, I totally get what you're saying. Sometimes. Yeah. Like self-promotion. Yeah. And yeah. It, but like, I think this is a very deeply feminine trait too. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know that men experience it the same way or as often as we do. Yeah. That's actually a good, an interesting thing to, to explore. Like that's where does that come from? Yeah. I think in some ways, like, like there's certain aspects. I mean, I guess it depends what aspects of ourselves we're talking, but like, you know, lots of like, there's just lots of negative um, lights that women are seen in that might actually be a very powerful trait. Right. So someone that's like outspoken and expressive and articulate and like, you know, won't, won't be afraid to tell you the truth can be seen as like bitchy or loud. Right. Or someone who's like too sexy, right? Like like too sexy. God forbid we all look a little sexy. All of a sudden that scene is like slutty. And that's something that I struggle with a lot too. Like just like with my upbringing and like, I'm trying to step into it more and more. Like, cause I think it's healthy for us to all celebrate our bodies rather than shame them. But I think, yeah, there's just a lot we're taught to like try and like hide away versus like, you know, express loudly. Yeah, for sure. And that language and like, there's only so much language you can reclaim, yeah. right? Like you can, you can reclaim slut. Yeah. Like I know the people who find it like incredibly sexy, that word. Yeah. And I'm still just like, Ooh, like it meant something bad for so long. Yeah. Right. It was like the first word you'd call a woman, like even as a woman call another woman that, because I don't know, I, I don't know. Like, why, why would we do that? Why did we do that? I don't, Oh, teenagers, man. Teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. so hard to be a teenager but yeah it's, it's hard to reclaim some words but then others you can definitely do and then there's just that whole yeah how you speak to yourself and that language and like mm-hmm. having the ability to stop yourself mid-tracks and be like oh no that's not something I want to say to myself mm. that like inner right and that difference between the I and the self yes I feel like I'm just saying things now. <laughs> <laughs> no you're making sense to me you're making sense cool 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 so is there anything after all your experiences, and I know there's so much we didn't touch on, but like, is, is there anything else that you would like to leave here on this metaphorical table? Mm-hmm. You know, let's just, I would just want to like leave a little bit more about kind of what we were just speaking to about like, you know, women and what we're taught. And I think, um, you know, one of my experiences too, that I, has happened over the last couple of years on this journey is like my relationships with women and them getting so much stronger and me attracting so many more into my life. Mm-hmm. I was a very like one of the guys type of girl. 
And I still get along with men beautifully. I have lots of masculine inside me. And even like, you know, at parties, sometimes it's easier for me to like click with men right away. Um, but I think that's because of a cultural thing where we're, we're made to compete with one another or like be intimidated by each other. And I just think, you know, sisterhood is so important. And I just want to encourage like the women out there to just like, yeah, really empower your friends and love women hard because they're going to be there probably maybe a lot longer. Who knows? But I, I just think that they, they're, they're going to be there and they're going to be, they're going to be that nurturing side that you really need. You know, they're the divine feminine and the feminine craves the feminine. Right. Yeah. So I just think, yeah, that's another thing I just want to lay down is just like, you know, if you're someone who struggles with female relationships, try and explore that and, and find some in your life. Cause I just think it's so important. And then be vulnerable with them. Right. Like I just look back and I'm like, if I had shared some things with some women long ago, like might not have taken me as long to get to where I am today. Right. It would be like, bitch, nah, like, yeah. go take this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No sisterhood. So important. And yeah, we're like trained, like even saying like you approach the men at the party, yeah. like it's almost like you've been trained to go attract the male, right? Go, yeah. be, go be the cuckoo bird, go flash your feathers <laughs> <laughs> instead of like, let's go connect with some women and like yeah. forge, yeah, lasting relationships. <laughs> One of my best friends in high school, she would be like, boyfriends come and go, but Hannah is forever. <laughs> yeah, well, it's true. And I do feel like our sisters that we really connect with are like our true soulmates, right? And when I talk about like people seeing those traits, those like that I felt really good about when I saw them myself, it's been the women that have, have complimented me on those things, right? The things that really make me me, because they are like the like my feminine pieces that they also crave. So I just think it's like, yeah, it's really powerful to make those connections. Absolutely. Yeah. Attract high quality women. Yes, exactly. And love them hard. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. So in your women's circles, then is this kind of how you've come to that? The women's circles. Yes. Um, yeah. A big part of it. I mean, the women's circles for me, like I started attending them years and years and years ago. And like, this was like when I was still with my ex-partner and it, the first time I was at one, I just was like, first of all, the energy in here is just so beautiful. And second of all, it was just amazing to see women from all walks of life coming together and being very vulnerable together. And so flash forward, like a couple of years later, when we're in COVID, um, and I've been doing my own sort of like moon rituals and stuff, I really just had this calling to start running women's moon circles. Um, and for people that don't know what a moon circle is, on the new moon and the full moon, we honor the moon um, and we honor, you know, the energies that the moon brings. So new moons are very much about um, attracting things in your life or like, you know, declaring what you want. And then full moons are about letting go and releasing and getting ready for the next cycle. Um, and so I started running these in COVID. So they were, they've been online. We've been doing them about a year. And so much of it is about vulnerability and being witnessed and witnessing one another and then developing as women too. So the circles have a very, an aspect of like, how can we kind of grow together? Um, and being in that space with 
you know, even just online, it's just so powerful going around, speaking your truth, witnessing others, and then just having so much affirmation of like, oh, everyone's going through this experience. Like it's not just me. Yeah. Just really deepening that, that sisterhood and and that feminine energy in all of us. Amazing. Yeah. And so if people wanted to join you, yeah, where would they go? Yeah. So you can find me on um, Instagram. So you can either find me at charlottes.rhythm or I do have one for my moon circles, which is at underscore, or sorry, at intuitive underscore rhythm. Amazing. Yeah. And I would love for you to join us. They happen once a month. Awesome. Um, And yeah, if you're in Vancouver, you can do in person. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I actually have some exciting news about that. So I've just found a space where I can do in persons indoors. Yeah. So I was doing them last summer, but then I stopped for the winter and there's a place on commercial drive where I'm going to be starting to do them indoors. Um, so it's in kind of a bohemian metaphysical shop. Of course. Uh, yeah, of course. Um, it's a beautiful space. The first one's going to be in April. Um, so stay tuned for that. And then I'm also actually going to be offering tarot readings in this same space starting in this month. I think in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, that's such good news. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm very Mm -hmm. excited. So yeah, just as we're wrapping up here, do you have anything you'd like to say? Like any, any last thoughts, any last wisdoms? Just, yeah, honestly, my biggest message here is to learn to love yourself, fall in love with yourself, celebrate all the things that make you, you and explore them. And sometimes this can be a discipline. Sometimes it means saying no to other things, but I promise you it will be worth it. (laughs) thank you so much thanks so much for having me and with that we come to the end of this week's episode of reclaim your radiance thank you so much for joining this week i hope you enjoyed your time with us and came away with something truly valuable if you want more and simply cannot wait until next week come join us online reach out on instagram at hell of a hall or on tiktok at reclaim your radiance to connect we also have a facebook community with the name reclaim your radiance where we talk about all sorts of topics related to the podcast and tons that aren't It's a community of like-minded souls who want to dive deeper into these things and keep the conversation going. Or maybe you're more of a tips and tricks straight to your inbox kind of person. Sign up for our mailing list to receive bonus content and stay in touch with what's happening in the world of Reclaim Your Radiance, including retreats, self-love courses, and more. Stay tuned. Head on over to the episode notes in the show description to find those links, and I hope to see you online soon. All right, everyone, until next week, stay radiant.